This episode of According to Flint is brought to you by the Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation, who is proud to bring the Western lifestyle and outdoor enthusiasts together for conservation projects, enhancing elk habitat, and ensuring the future of America's hunting heritage. Visit rmef.org for more information. Thanks for listening, and enjoy this episode of According to Flint. Welcome to episode number 56 of According to Flint, and thanks as always to our friends at Rocky Mountain Elk Elk Foundation for all of their support for everything According to Flint, venturing back into the rodeo world this week, and a young man who I've known since junior high, when I watched him and said, I don't know how successful that kid will be, but nobody will ever outwork him. And Haven Medjit went on to become a world champion tie-down roper in the Professional Rodeo Cowboys Association, the Mile City, Montana Cowboy, joins us this week on episode number 56 of According to Flint. But first, a quick word from our friends at Pendleton Whiskey and Montana Silversmiths. This, along with every episode of According to Flint, brought to you by Pendleton Whiskey. For more than a century, the Pendleton Roundup has defined what it means to be a cowboy. It also gave life to something equally renowned, a whiskey that captures that unique spirit in every bottle. A whiskey made with the finest northern grains and cut with Mount Hood Glacier water. A whiskey that celebrates the cowboy in all of us. That is Pendleton whiskey, and that's true Western tradition. Pendleton Distillers, Lawrenceburg, Indiana. Please drink responsibly. Since 1973, the art of engraving brings to life the artistry that Montana Silversmiths is known for and is fueled by a passion for the Western lifestyle. Montana Silversmiths' buckles and jewelry are more than accessories. They are stories, stories of moments and memories shared through the giving, receiving, and earning of Montana Silversmiths' buckles and jewelry. Celebrate what matters with Montana Silversmiths. Well, welcome to episode number 56, according to Flint, as promised, world champion tie-down roper, Haven Medjid. Uh, I'm admiring your your backdrop, the brick wall, the the numbers here. Like- yeah, you're Mile City, Montana, by the way, first things first. Just for you, Haven, the Mile yeah. City Cowboy football shirt. See, I'm good, huh? Good thing that was an olden shirt. <laughs> if this was your brother Holden shirt, it would be the double XL. <laughs> um, where are you? You you moved to Texas? Yes, sir. I'm in Stephenville, Texas. Imagine that a cowboy living in Stephenville, Texas. Who would have thought it? It's still Texas is still more reasonable to buy a place than parts of Montana. Oh, absolutely. Other than Stephenville, <laughs> it's, it's crazy. Thirty, thirty-five, forty thousand dollars an acre. Um, what we were talking before, and I should say, we had a little time because we waited for you, but it was because you were practicing and helping a kid. But we were talking. I was telling Logan, who helps me, about that you're down in Texas, 
and trying to kind of explain so many people, Canadians, Montana, Montanans, go down to Texas. It really just puts you in everything. Somebody making a living at rodeo, it really just immerses you in the whole culture, doesn't it? Yeah, no, it's a it's a big thing, you know, having to come down here and stuff because I feel like being in Montana and anywhere in the north where it's cold, it, it's hard to be successful up there, you know. Um, you have to work your butt off because it's cold as hell up there practicing in the winter. So being down here, I mean, everybody that's up there, hats off to them. It sucks. I hate it up when it's freaking 40 below and you got to sit there for – two hours to get your horse to cool off and then you got to drive another hour to the barn or wherever i mean it's it's hard i mean if you make it out of the northern country you're doing good because it takes a lot of work i mean these guys down here i tell all these kids i help i said you guys wouldn't even make it up there i mean it's so damn cold up there i mean you guys are so lucky your parents have all these nice places down here for you guys just to practice and stuff and it's 70 degrees year round you know my daughter shelby who you you know both my girls and have rodeoed together. She was going to do like a, she wanted to do a, a, a video, a film or a write-up about high school rodeo, like, and take a video at every high school rodeo in the spring and fall and, yeah. and go over everything you got to overcome in Montana to be good in high school rodeo. It could snow, it could rain, it could be a hundred it, you're not you got to focus on everything else don't you yeah oh you, it's it's terrible these these texans don't understand how good they got covered lanes they just rope and covered arenas and got these little 120 pound beef calves down here i mean they, it's great down here the the opportunity that the southern kids have is unbelievable you know all the contractors bring calves to match up their sides and stuff and in montana you're up some running off coriannies and i mean if you're not on a fast horse you might as well just hit him off the back end of the arena and rope him when he bounces off <laughs> there. Uh, we, and we've talked about that too, though, Shelby and I and page about they go through the season, even in college rodeo too. They would go through the season. They never know what kind of, what kind of goats they're running. Breakaway calves are running. They're not in lanes. They think they've said they feel like being from Montana. There are times they have an advantage over kids who have practiced in every per perfect condition. And that's why sometimes you get to the national level and have some success in certain, in certain events because they oh. don't have everything perfect. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I mean, you're, you go to a lot of rodeos in the summertime where you might just have a rainstorm that, or hailstorm and something. It'll be muddy as heck out there, and a lot of people just give up out there. I mean, you just got to bear down. When you grow up in Montana, you've already roped in the blizzards and everything. Have ski goggles out there running down to tire goat or yeah. I mean, you're used to that stuff, so you just pull your lace ups on and get ready and duct tape your whatever you got and bear down and try to win something. Were you out of high school when the tornado hit at the state high school rodeo? That was my senior year. I was backed in the box roping my calf. And right after I roped, they told everybody to get the help and get some shelter. I couldn't remember. That's funny you bring that up. I couldn't remember if it was you or uh, what's his name from, from Melrose. Uh, oh, Hon, Dylan. The Honkamp kid. Did you? Now, I, I thought, so when just so people know, Baker, Montana, southeast Montana. There are not tornadoes in a lot of Montana. But there are tornadoes 
in Southeast Montana. And one rolled like a hundred yards behind the arena. We were really lucky that day. You know, we were all lucky to survive we, in that. Yeah. We all lucked out. I mean, they could have wrecked millions of dollars of horses and trailers. So uh, I, I how it even went around us. Um, did you tie your calf? Yeah, I was, I don't know. I was like a 10 three or something. I think I won second in the round. Did, am I, did I make this up? Did, was there still somebody out there to untie your calf? Cause it seems like somebody tied their calf, got on their horse and everybody evacuated. Yeah, that's, that's pretty much how it happened. Everybody was trying to go. So I just took my rope off and got out of there. <laughs> I mean, I, uh, my dad pretty much ran right to the stalls. We loaded all the horses and we were, we got them on and we watched a car. Literally there was a smaller tornado right in front of us. We were going up by the cutting arena and a little car just got picked up off the ground and slammed on the ground. And I, I was, I was so scared. I was like, Holy crap. The joys of the joys of high school rodeo in Montana. I have pictures. Yeah. I have pictures of the girls in snow in anyway. Uh, Every- well, so congratulations on living in Texas. So great job. I was, yeah, well, they just, they just have torn, they have tornadoes down here too. <laughs> I was just in tech. I was just in Texas this past weekend. As we record this, I was in Fort Worth. Heck yeah. So. Were you at the BBR mm-hmm. this last? Yeah. I'm not a, I'm, I'm good with Texas. Like when I'm in Texas, I'm good. I think the interstate systems are screwed up. It's confusing driving, but otherwise, I mean, to Texas, to me, dealing with people in Texas seems easy to me. They're kind of our kind of people. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's just nice to be down here because you're, everything's right here. I mean, it's hard. Nobody wants a winter rodeo from Miles city, Montana. I mean, let's just drive 20 hours to San Antonio and then go back and then 20 hours back to Houston. I mean, who wants to do that? I don't even like driving up to the circuit finals. I think it's the dumbest thing to have in jail. Let's just go up there and rope in Great Falls, Montana, when it's 40 below and nobody's got their horses in shape and they got hair looking like gorillas out there. <laughs> hey, man, you're bitter. No, hey, I, I can tell you before your time, I did the circuit finals in Great Falls. And it was one of those January weeks. It was like 37 below zero for real. Nobody turned their diesel pickup off. I've been there. It was 40 below my second year I was there. And yeah, we had heated water buckets and the heated water buckets couldn't even keep up with it. It was so dang cold outside. And yeah, we we never shut our pickups off that year. Nobody knows, do they? No. No. I I think... Stupid. I think roping calves, I mean, it's hard on the animals up there. You go from a 40 blow outside to 70 degrees in the arena. I mean, that just makes the calves terrible and everything else. Your horses are, you have to literally sit there. I feel bad for our horses going outside. It was so cold. You can barely feel your hands when you walk a couple hundred feet from the stall barn to the arena. So my clown barrel, there's that lane that, you know, you guys come in. That lane, and it's not heated back there. And my barrel, I never even thought about it, sat back there. And so I went and took the cover off it, bull riding gets ready, and I roll my barrel out into that arena, and it was hard just like this. And the cold air was in it, and I got in it, and I had my head poking out, and you could see my breath because the cold 
It was cold so dang cold. And there was no way I was getting in that barrel. It was so hard. He just froze. Like, we have a whole... This is... This conversation is like winter in Montana. You spend the whole day just figuring out how to thaw shit out. That's it. stupid. (laughs) Texans are stupid. I mean, when you're down here, their water lines are literally, let's go five, six inches down and let's just put a water line in. Maybe if your horse paws the dirt, it's going to pop the water line. (laughs) By last, the freeze, oh my Lord. It was the last two years that just pop all my water lines and I'm just out there plumber. I, I mean, I'm supposed to be a roper, not a plumber. <laughs> yeah, but Bart, Bart probably taught you all that, your dad, right? No, Bart, yeah, you just choose your ass. <laughs> he expects you to know it. <laughs> uh, speaking of uh, Montana, you were, how long, when you made the NFR, um, uh, you were calf roper from Montana, how long had it been since a calf roper from Montana made the NFR? Do you remember? I think Bill Parker was the last guy, maybe in the eighties or something. Yeah. I mean like early eighties, right? Yeah. Yeah. It was a long, like maybe 80, 81 or something. I can't remember, but they said Bill Parker was the last guy to make it. To me, it kind of makes sense with everything, by the way, everything you've just been talking about, kind of adds to this topic the calf roping we've said forever it as far as events go as far as everything coming together perfectly calf roping is probably the hardest event in that and it makes sense that somebody from montana you struggle because your horse has to be good you got to have good calves to practice on you got to be tuned up or open you got to tie from the post you got all those things calf ropers do it's hard to do that consistently in Montana on that national quality level, isn't it? Yeah, no, it, it's tough. I mean, um, not to tell Shelby not to get people to go to college up there, but, I mean, it's so dang hard to stay successful up there. I mean, for real, I, I tell everybody to go south if you want to if you want to get to the next level roping calves. I mean, it's different team roping and doing other events up there, but if you want to rope calves and be successful, there's no, there's not enough jackpots to be roping against. I mean, if you think about it, there's jackpots. I go to three, you can go to three jackpots a week where I'm at right here in Stephenville and they're all 30 minutes from the house. So if you think about that, all them other kids, if you're in Montana high school, college, those kids in the winter aren't practicing. You know, it, it's a pain in the butt to practice up there. So you think about it, these guys are down here roping year-round and stuff, and you're roping, what, five, six months out of the year. These guys are roping 12 months. I mean, they get ahead of you, and it's hard to catch back up once you fall behind and stuff. And that's why I went to college down south, just so I could try to catch up. And it took me, it felt like two years to finally catch up to the guys down here and stuff because it, it feels like, I yes, I did practice, tried to practice 12 months out of the year, and but it, I might only got to practice five days out of a couple like December or January, you know, just cause it was so cold and or all my calves died in the polar Arctic up there. <laughs> um, but, and a guy like you who is a good horseman and that's so much a part of it. <clears throat> when you talk about going to jackpots every three times a week, you're not talking about just for you. If you got, if you got a, a five-year-old that you, it's time to tie down some calves on and you have this nice horse you got to have a place to take them, not just yep. you. 
If you want to keep that line of succession of horses that you need to have, they need a place to go as bad as you do. Oh, yeah. That's like uh, you can go to these jackpots and just pay the stock charge run. I went to them last Wednesday. Let's just sit there till 1 o'clock in the morning. And, I mean, they got just a crap load of calf ropers that night. And I paid my $50 and sat there till 1 in the morning. And I took two five-year-olds that never been anywhere and just – took them there to get experience and stuff. And it's just part of a sacrifice to get them to the next level where we want them to be. You know, uh, people don't realize it. You know, some people just got um, mommy and daddy's money where they just go buy a $150,000 calf horse. You know, it takes a long time to get a big time horse to the next level. People don't understand that because not a lot of guys want to spend the time, go to the jackpots till one in the morning. They cost $20,000 just to season a good horse to have them ready to try to make the national finals on. And that's not even counting your diesel and time and stuff. That's just entry fees and stuff. You're hauling them around because they're going to cost you a lot of money walking up, maybe not scoring, not running, not stopping, not pulling. I mean, there's just all kinds of different variables in the calf rope. And once you step off a horse. When did you really start? I, I mean, I, I mostly have talked about how hard you worked when you were younger, but when did you start really making calf roping horses? How old do you think you were when you, when you really said, okay, I'm going to make a horse here. Yeah. Um, I guess in high school, you know, we always had some ranch horses and stuff and you know, we, we, I got one horse, um, that I bought from Ty Erickson with all my 4-H money. I thought I was going to cry that day when I wrote him a check for 15,000. And I was just like, holy crap, there goes all my money for a 15-year-old horse. And uh, anyways, it's just after that, I, I got to know what a good one felt like and stuff. So then I knew what I needed to do to make my other horses feel like that. So, you know, we had some ranch horses. So I started roping calves on them and trying to bring them along. And, you know, I guess after after the time of the years and stuff, I've gotten better horses every single year. I feel like I get my hands on better prospects every single year in um i guess the time that i started was probably high school i guess sophomore year freshman year somewhere right there and stuff but i feel like now i've finally got to where i perfected it it's taken me six seven years to finally perfect it and it takes a long time just the amount of i mean two years just to get a good calf horse solid it feels like i've told this story a lot the first time i ever saw you Cause my girl Shelby didn't, you know, we weren't the junior rodeo, junior rodeo. All of a sudden we're in junior high rodeo. Uh, Katie had a great horse that she took to the circuit finals in the barrel racing. And the, the people she bought him from said, you know, he was a real good pole bending horse and the big sorrel horse. And we throw Shelby's in seventh grade. We put her on this pole horse and away she goes. So we go to Hamilton to the state high, to state junior high rodeo. Remember, it was in Western Montana, okay. Hamilton. Yeah. And I didn't know any of the kids, and I'm standing at the end of the arena, and it's the boys' goat tie. Oh shit! <laughs> That's what I said. And I mean, this kid, you come in, and you were little though. You were little for a long time. I weighed probably sixty five pounds. <laughs> you were you were like four foot eleven. Yeah. and uh you it's these boys coming in and the boys go times terrible you know nobody can. and here comes haven this kid and you bailed off at full speed like 
I'm like, this kid is crazy. And I go to my daughter, Shelby, and I said, who's the little tiny little Indian kid that's just crazy? <laughs> she said, that's Haven. I don't even think you're an Indian. I just said, <laughs> you know, and uh, she goes, that's Haven. And I watched you that weekend. And by the end of the weekend, I said, you know what? That kid won this weekend because nobody works harder than him. And from that day in junior high, I have believed that I didn't know if you'd ever make the NFR, but I knew nobody would ever outwork you, ever. Yeah, thank you. And But that's it, isn't it? I mean, yeah, no. high school, you were 4-H. You did good in school. You had your own cattle. You That lays, now, it's probably way easier to keep working hard. Yeah, no, I mean, that's what I just... That's what I try to like install in like all these kids that come up and rope with me every day and stuff. You know, I, I try to get them like trying to, we work on different things every single day and I'm a, I'm a tough ass. I'm a hard ass coach, you know, because I, I don't, I don't like half ass, you know, if you're going to sit on your phone and stuff, just get out of my way. Cause I don't want to see you, you know, because if you want to be all in and you were going to be here, I mean, let's get after it because I want to. I want to get better. I mean, I don't care if I have a gold buckle, four back numbers. It doesn't matter. I wake up every single morning to try to get better. And if you're going to be in my way, not trying to get better, then I don't need you in my arena because it it costs too much for me to go up and down the road and not for me not to get quality practice every day. And if you're going to be here, I want to help you get better. But if you don't want to be all in, then it, I mean, it's not. There's no hard feelings. Just you need to leave and. Uh, the next kid can come practice. If I come to your arena, I'm going to sit in a lawn chair and have a glass of wine or something, but you have no expectation of me. That's yeah. it. That's all I can yeah. bring. No, you, you show up. Well, maybe, maybe we'll try to get some guys. I mean, cause the clowns are terrible at the rodeo. So maybe we can try to get some guys with some different clown acts, not the same ones repeating every time. You're, I mean, I spoiled, I, I spoiled you. I can do the Spider-Man on the fence and everything else. <laughs> Terrible. See, you'll get me in trouble now. Hey, <laughs> but Hey, but I will say this. Uh, they, uh, I always tell people like people used to at rodeos or even PBR say, Hey, you did that last week. Do something else. I said, did you buy a ticket? Cause I always said, I don't care what you think. However, I always had a goal to entertain you guys too. That was kind of always my, no, it's it's good, but it, the biggest thing every day that I think everybody needs to understand um, in life. I mean, it's not just in the rodeo; it, in life too. I mean, we're everybody's trying to get better, and I think it's a good thing to strive for because it's not just roping. You know, kids, college kids, high school kids, trying to get their grades better and stuff like that. You know, staying on top of things goes a long ways. Not not falling behind and being a slacker. Yeah, uh, I should finish the the junior high rodeo story, by the way. And Shelby reminded me of this. And I know I bring her up a lot, but you guys, I have a great picture of you two both winning the all around at the state high school rodeo. I mean, your family has always meant a lot to me, but she just two days ago, I told her I was doing this with you. I was talking about junior high rodeo. She goes, Hey dad, do you remember though? Like three days later, I came and said, Hey, remember that little goat tire kid? Yeah. He's texting me. I said, the hell he is. <laughs> she just giggled. And now, now I know you, so it was okay. But it was yeah. not okay. Wasn't okay. 
Um, hey, I a uh, couple things. Well, first of all, in the it, the season's over. the The twenty twenty two season is over. Um, you're fourth in the all around, so you're saying there's a chance. There's no chance. Oh. You ain't winning the all around. What What'd you win money? Team rope. You won some team roping money, right? I went. I think. I don't know, thirty-five or thirty-six hundred in the team roping. I guess. Do, do you any do any steer roping, steer tripping? Uh, not. I didn't. I don't think I entered anywhere this year. I mean, I have in the past, but not this year. I didn't enter nowhere. So, if I can find a good horse that doesn't cost an arm and leg in the bus, and it's just it's just hard. The tripping event, I feel like it's better to try to make the finals in the heading, like the team roping is than the tripping unless you have a really good winner because the tripping slacks and the calf roping slacks are polar opposites so either you're roping calves or tripping steers i mean trevor brazil is a freak athlete to be able to do all three of them he is he is a freak athlete have you uh, you are a good team roper i know it's different when you get to that level does it cross your mind hey if i get a really good head horse if i can work this do you think you head steers good enough that you make the nfr I'm not gonna say I can or not. I, I'm just gonna say that I'll damn sure work my butt off to try to be able to because I got a really good uh, six-year-old that I rope calves on and head on that's that I feel like I could make the national finals on. But I'm not gonna say without a good healer that I'm gonna make the national finals. So I just feel like I could put the time and work in and uh, get a couple nice horses and give them hell. Um, I just mentioned the season's over. By the way, we're the. Rodeo is the only sport that the regular season ends and then it's two months until their Super Bowl. And hey, when I when I was rodeoing for a while, the season went to the first of November. Yeah. That was so what do you know? Maybe you can tell me because I forgot. It was explained to me at one time why it ended the end of September. What is the thinking there? Do you know? I have no idea. I'm just glad it does. Because <laughs> I'm when you leave the house June first and get home October first, you're ready to get home. Tell me this, and because I can't remember if you've been in that spot, I always look at those guys from about thirteen to eighteen in the standings. For people listening, in the top fifteen go to the regular national finals rodeo. It comes down to that last month <clears throat> as you go to Ellensburg and Walla Walla, and and then to you know Lewiston and Pendleton and Albuquerque's going on. You know that whole September. If you're 13th to 18th, how even watching guys, even if you've never been in that spot, how stressful like is that time period of going? Oh, that's the most stressful time of the year. That's when like when you leave out for June 1st, I mean, every barrier calf you miss, anything calf get up, I mean, that it all comes down to that right at the end of the season so i mean being sharp and ready when you leave the house is a big time and it's not just that because it, a drawn is a big factor so i mean if you're not drawn good and then you start drawing good at, at the end of the season then you're trying to make up and then you're stuck on the bubble you know it, the bubble it, it's a nightmare i mean i i'm stressed out for the guys watching it because they're my buddies i mean i don't even want to be remotely close to that thing I, you know that's just something you want to be scared of at all times and i'm definitely afraid of the bubble i don't ever want to drop close to it because i mean it that it makes or breaks you right there honestly because i mean it costs a lot of money for us to be out there and without sponsors i mean it's hard to even stay out there remotely 
So um, if you don't make the national finals, I mean, that's where we're making all our money. You know, we're just breaking even, being dumb, gambling our money all year. And when we show up to the national finals, you better be have your hammer cocked and ready to win some good money just so we can have a six-figure year. Yeah. Well, I got guys I work with here uh, do work for the big fall rodeo here in Billings, the Nile Pro Rodeo. Yeah. That used to be one of those, if you're on the bubble, you got to go because it was in season. Yeah. So I've, I've seen that. Yeah, yeah, of course, they have 130 barrel racers or whatever. But it's hit and miss what contestants go. You're you're qualified for the NFR, solid position. Do you What do you go to now? The rodeos now count towards the 2023 season. Do you go yep. to many, and how do you decide what ones to go to? Um, so the only one I'm going to count towards my rodeo count, we have 80 rodeos we can go to, so... The only one I'm going to count right now is going to uh, the San Angelo Rope and Fiesta last week in October. I skipped going to the Nile this year because we have the big rope horse fraternity. Um, not this weekend. It's next weekend. It pays 100000 so I'll just skip the Nile and going to go there. But um, I'll only go to one rodeo, and then I try to come Reno. I don't want to be over, like, 20 rodeos. And that way I can pretty much go to quite a few, quite a few of the rodeos, but we're trying to go to two headers. You know, because if you go to a two-head rodeo, you have three chances to win money and stuff. But if you just go to a one-header, you only have one chance to win money. And the that's – if you're going to count your rodeo, you might as well have a chance at winning three Right. So that was my – for people watching that – so some rodeos, it's just one. It's a three-day rodeo. You get to go once. And it counts yep. as a rodeo. Yeah. Some of those, you get two and then maybe a short round like a Reno – so you get three chances, but that's still only one rodeo, right? Yep, yep, that's just one rodeo, but you get those chances. So you try to go to them two-head, three-head rodeos that have more calves that you can have more chances of winning money. That way, if you draw a bad one, will you still have a chance at winning a couple grand or whatever it's going to pay? Because, I mean, you we'll go to the big $10,000 one-header, so it's pretty much what you'll go to if it's a one-header. You go to a couple – five thousand seventy five hundred dollar one headers but not many of those because you're there's quite a few good two headers and a lot of the rodeos have grown a lot so um it's great be nice if some of the circuit rodeos in montana would pick up a little bit yeah dylan <laughs> you were in dill you went to dylan you placed in the team roping didn't you yeah they said uh roy cooper called me while i was on the way to um dylan and he said heck they had four thousand added back in 1980 when i was going to those things he said it was the best rodeos over Labor Day. Yeah, it, it, Montana, you know, and I've this is the only place I've lived. It's it's hard. I see it in Montana. There's just the places where Montana is really growing aren't those good old rodeos. They're not Miles City. There's Dylan. The rodeo that's yeah. picking up that I went to, I happened to be home. I went to the a night of the pro rodeo in Bozeman, and I think that has some potential to really take off. There's a new, it's the newer ones because they're in the areas of Montana where there's money. Cause you know, like I do, not all of Montana has any money. Um, yeah. Big Fork, Montana. I think there's some potential. Yeah. Big Fork, Montana has a heck of a good road. <laughs> I mean, they, they've been doing it good for the last couple of years and I, they said they're just going to keep trying to grow it and grow it. And I feel like um, as a whole through the PRCA, there's been a lot of rodeos grow and I just feel like um, for us with the, you know, the increase of fuel and everything else, it, 
the inflation. I feel like the rodeos should have to um, increase by probably like 15, 20%, you know, in their, in their added money and stuff, because them rough stock guys, they just get to drive around in a van and shoot, let's pay a hundred dollars and get on a horse and win 10,000. Cause everybody else falls off. I mean, that's them guys get to win all that ground money and stuff. We have so much expense just in fuel fees, vet bills, everything else, just trying to get to a rodeo and stuff. And when, when them guys have 10,000 added an event, we have 3000. I mean, that's tough for us to go to those rodeos and they always ask why we don't go. And I mean, when it's equal money, that's nice for us. Yeah. Um, okay. I'm going to give you, cause through my years of doing radio shows and stuff, and I do a little show here about when it's important, like 4th of July comes. Oh, you got to do good 4th of July. I, I said recently, of course, recently, cause it's this time of year. That I think, as far as the timing goes, Labor Day is as important. So, three times of year, winter rodeos, big winter rodeos, 4th of July, or Labor Day. Is any more important than the other? Do you put more value on any of those? No, not really. I mean, the 4th of July is overrated. I mean, everybody psychs himself out about it. I don't think about the labor day as much because hopefully I have the finals made by then but the fourth of july i feel like everybody holy crap it's fourth of july you need to win thirty thousand. well I, I feel like everybody's looking at the big picture not taking care of the the calves are running and stuff and i'm guilty for it i've messed up and missed a couple calves over the fourth and should have won a lot more money but uh, i know what to do better for next year and stuff um, it's just, it's something you learn every single year out there is it doesn't matter how many gold buckles back numbers you have. You're going to learn stuff every single year because I mean, it's, it's a marathon out there and it sucks. I mean, they don't, people always just see the bright lights and the back numbers and everything else at Vegas. Oh, it looks, them guys are so lucky. They get to go to Vegas. Well, they don't see the all night drives and all the head hanging out the window, just trying to stay awake driving all night to the next one and being tired. I mean, that, that stuff sucks. I mean, people don't see that kind of stuff that it takes to be successful out there. Um, I see what you mean on the 4th of July. I think people, I, I could see myself. I know it's hard to put myself in your position, but I've been out there, you know, looking. I would think, you know, it's always how many can you enter? How many can you get to? But if you can hit, where you want to be and be effective at those, you're going to come yeah. out ahead. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, with the rodeo count changed and stuff, instead of 100 rodeos, it was 75 last year. Now they moved it to 80. But, I mean, you don't. You just try to go to the big, good rodeos, and some guys will go to some smaller ones. But just do good at the ones you're at. Don't try to go to 15 rodeos and just wear yourself out. I feel like going to the 7 or 8 that we went to last year, I was worn out and we didn't even go to 15. It was just a lot of all night, three nights in a row. I mean, when you drive from Greeley, Colorado to Pecos to Prescott to Oakley, Utah to St. Paul to Cody to Pinoca and back down to Red Lodge, every single day was all night drives. We just went to like seven of them and it was just zigzag all over the world. You know, you know what I think the rodeo business has been very lucky at, and I have no idea how I say it every year when I'm talking to guys. It, this, this is a hard 
it's a bad topic. How we haven't had more bad wrecks out on the roads. Absolutely. I mean, it's, it's crazy. I mean, I don't know how more people don't wreck. I mean, it's, it's tough out there trying to stay awake and I mean, it's hard. It's hard to afford a driver out there. Yeah. Price of fuel and everything. uh, Two, two, not this summer, summer before I, uh, Shelby came through my Shelby, not your Shelby, um, came through. But if she did come through Billings, I'd let you know. Uh, she came into Billings and we went to, left here at five in the morning or four in the morning to slack at Belfouche. She was breakaway roping. Yeah. Belfouche, get done there and busted up to Kildeer, North Dakota. And then just came back to Billings. It took me three days. Like, this is bullshit. I can't do this, man. I'm, I'm like you. That's how Bart was. He he drove over to West Virginia my rookie year, and we drove to Chinook, Montana, and then back to the house, and he said, I'm done. It took him three days to recoup, too. He said, I don't know how you guys even do this. I'm, I'm never coming out there. I can't even get him to come watch me at Pendleton or any of them cool rodeos. He, he doesn't even want to come out there. He said, no, I'm not helping you drive. Your dad, Bart. Bart's a whiner, though. He used to be tougher. He's just not. I, I mean, for all the miles he's put on, I figured he'd like to come and see different stuff. But he said, I'd rather just stay home. You know, uh, you're, by the way, your dad, Bart, and your mom, Hayes is there. They have the, uh, I wore the Mile City shirt today. They have the uh, the auction, the sale barn in Mile City. And I, yeah. I know that the guys I work with, bullfighters. When people say, how do I do what you're doing? They say, go work in a sale barn because you learn cattle. You learn yep. how they, you know, what they do, how they act, how to read, sorting them. Just don't you think that what you, what you're doing now, you were just around cattle your whole life. Had to make a difference. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I've been around them since I can remember. I mean, growing up, we we're outside tagging calves, whatever on the ranch, roping stuff, getting ran over. I mean, it was just different stuff we always did messing around riding steers i mean you're just it was stuff we always did we're always around cattle messing with them whether it was show cattle in the arena whatever i mean and then at the sale barn you learn to handle wild cattle gentle cattle i mean it's just stuff that you're always around and i mean i'm very fortunate that i got to grow up around that stuff and understand because a lot of kids can't sort of sort of cow or write a check anymore these days yeah um you're your dad, when when you were young and you got Hayes rodeoed a little, it, it's funny to me that you got you and your sister, Harley, and you guys kind of look alike. You're slight built, little. Then you got yeah. Hayes and Holden, who are yeah. offensive linemen Yeah, on the football team. What, it, what the heck happened there? <laughs> I have no idea. I literally have no idea. I feel... Shoot, Harley seems like she's bigger than me. I feel like I'm the shrimp of the family. I tell mom and dad they, they put every one of the other kids on a creep feeding ration and gave me the cereal cereal ration because they can't afford nothing. Because yeah, hold. I just saw hold not very long ago. He he's having is he having a good football season this fall? Yeah, yeah, he's an animal. He freaking run you over. I don't mess with him. He is a beast. He and he was. I'll never forget not. Well, it's my it, podcast, so I can say this. I we're at State High School Rodeo when I think you were still there. You might have been gone, and he was little. Remember, he's little and round. 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. And he just ran around the rodeo with his buddies. And I said, hey, Holden. Hey. I said, hey. I always called him Peckerhead. Hey, Peckerhead, what are you doing? And he walked by. I said, uh, you know, Flint, just Peckerhead stuff. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> He's still that way. <laughs> oh, absolutely. He used to just walk around everybody. If there, if there's 10 people cooking breakfast, he's going to have 10 different burritos that morning. He's like the dog at the rodeo that just goes around like Bugsy. Yeah. Um, I, we, we talk all, I've mentioned high school rodeo and stuff with you just for stories more than anything, but we used to fight the battle a little bit in youth rodeo, high school rodeo in particular. Uh, and I think now you're a good example of how it can hurt kids. Remember it, and it's still this way in Montana, you got to take your seven best rodeos. So you always wanted to max out. Yep. And so it was all about, do you remember you'd get to a point in the spring where if you didn't get first, it didn't do you any good. Yep. And we used to fight that battle that it didn't teach you how to rodeo. Remember it just, it was wrong. I thought. Now you got to win 13 first. <laughs> <laughs> oh, is it, did it change? Did it change? Now you got to win 13 first. So now that you made it twice as hard. So you're, I have, I used to have, Lisa Lockhart used to be my example. She still is. But yeah. to me, and I mean this in a good way, I don't think that, I, I used to argue that it's teaching how kids how to rodeo the wrong way. Either for, how'd you do this weekend? No good. I got four seconds. I needed firsts. So they got to where if you didn't win first, it was no good. You, you're an example of, uh, you don't see a lot of Haven Medjid in the results winning all the rodeos. You're not yeah. always smoking them at a, for a 7.2, getting first. It, it, somebody told me I'd rather win third every time than first every third time or something I can't remember. But you're, you're an example of uh, you just got to be there, right in there every time. Yeah, I, I feel like if I can show up, and if I go to 10 rodeos and if I can place at every single rodeo, that's fine with me. I don't need to win first. I don't care if I ever win first at a rodeo until the the 10th round of national finals. That's the only time I want to have that first is winning the gold buckle, you know, honestly. Because, I mean, $100, $200, that stuff adds up fast. I mean, yeah, it's not the $2,000, $3,000 checks you want. But, I mean, those those checks will add up and, you know – uh, come down to world title my rookie year I won it by $1,200 so I mean those two and three hundred five hundred dollar checks added up so um, yeah I do agree that Montana needs to open their points up and stuff where you know kids understand that it's okay to win fifth or sixth and um, keep their head up and keep pushing forward not just get discouraged all the time that your rookie year at the NFR we were about four or five rounds in and you had what you were eight six then you were eight five. Then you were eight four. I mean, for example, and I yeah. remember halfway through the week, my girls and I sitting there. I said, "He's going to Haven Medjid their ass and end up winning the whole thing." And that's all you did. You just kind of every night. There's the results. I don't think I ever gave you a go round buckle, did I? Or nope. mate, never. Nope. No, 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 no. I did. That's her Nate flat my in uh, my rookie year, and ended up being a world champ. 
Yeah, I remember looking up going, hey, look, Haven, Haven won some points. And you were my, my pro fantasy rodeo team. You were my calf roper. So that was yeah. happy. Probably made you look funny. <laughs> you didn't make me anything. But I was excited for you. It looked good. I was in the top like 4%, but that doesn't pay any better than the bottom 90. Oh, shit. Well, that ain't. Well, this, do I pick you this year? Absolutely. What are you coming in? Sit. Third. Oh, you're third? Yep. You just haven medgeted them all year. I don't know about that, I guess. <laughs> um, you, uh, you're, you're getting married. When are you getting married? Do you That's know? That's a good question. No, we don't know yet. I mean, just because of this lovely COVID shit you got going on. I mean, uh, her family's Canadian, so it's hard for them to all come across the border. and It's hard for my family to go across the border up there. So, I don't know. We're we're still been trying to get this planned and trying to figure something out where it accommodates everybody. Got to be good. It, it, I always Everybody thinks it'd be good to be either marrying or going out with someone who has similar interests to you. You guys yeah. not only have similar interests, Shelby, uh, have I always said her last name right, Beaujoli? Yep. Look at me. It's like I speak French. Um, yeah. You and Shelby not only have similar interests, she as well, one of and maybe right now, if not the best women's breakaway roper in the world. Is that too much? How are, how are your practice sessions? Describe your practice sessions. Depends on the day some days. I mean, they're, they're pretty competitive some days. But, no, most of the time it's really good because we're there. You know, it's nice. I mean, I've always wanted somebody to be there to help watch video, you know, because growing up, mom and dad were always gone. There was a couple times they got to be there and stuff. But, um I always tried to have my little brother and sister film me when I was younger so I could watch and send them, send them off and stuff. But Shelby's so good. She ropes good. She's phenomenal with a horse. So she helps me and tells me to slow down because I like to go fast and too fast sometimes. So um, it just it just helps a lot to have somebody that that's that caliber to rope with you because I feel like it, it just allows you to get better every single day and you can push each other to get better and try to win more gold buckles. You did go fast in the goat time. Yeah. Oh, how I went fast a lot of times in the goat time. I wiped out a couple of times. Yeah, I know. I laughed every time. Every, every yeah. So my my daughter Paige, when she goat ties, you know, everybody comes to the fence to see yeah. it like in high school they did. That's how I was when you were goat tying because I knew you were going to bite your ass eventually. Like, <laughs> I'd run. I'd either. I'd either be going. It's going to be good, or I'd run the goat over. Or I'd eat shit. <laughs> Well, listen, when the when you decide on a wedding date, let me know because I got a couple things working for me that I think I could be a good presence at your wedding. For What's one, that? I speak fluent Canadian. Well, I not guess. fluid. There's some words that I don't use that they use a lot. But I know they're going, oh, I drank about 15 beer last night. Hey, oh, for sure. You know, and I can sing. I could sing in your wedding. Hell yeah. Let's do it. There you go. We'll film it. We'll make an episode out of it. It'll be like tough and tiffs. I didn't go to that. Did you go to that? No, it, I just seen uh, it was. I'm pretty sure it was like filmed or something. It was 
on something big like cowboy channel or something like that yeah well we'll put yours we can't we can't bring you cowboy channel but according to flint it, we're okay. all oh perfect yeah we'll do it um uh i was trying to think you know what i i do want to tell you i did a call with you a few weeks ago we did a prefert call with all their youth kids yeah. And they called me, somebody canceled. I'm me. Hey, somebody canceled. Can you do this for us, guy? That's me. That was me too. Yeah. And, uh, but I think it's cool. I always, when I knew you when you were young, I knew you as somebody who didn't say a lot. And, um, you know, I've done different things with you now. And I sat back. It's a big conference call. And they have all their young kids at Prefert Sponsors. And we were talking about making an impression on people and things like that. And you went first because you had to go. And I sat there the whole time and I just wanted, even on that call for you to know, this, this job, this occupation we have in this industry, people know you and remember you outside of the arena as much as inside. And you have really opened up like, and talked. You said some impressive stuff to those kids, some impressive things. Have you seen that really help you as far as sponsors, fans? Is that something you consciously have done or has it just happened? I think it's just happened. You know, um, I always grew up in, we grew up in a small town and never was around a lot of people, but I mean, I like to go meet people and stuff and, you know, I feel like getting to come down South, meeting different people and, you know, just going to college and stuff. I feel like it just opened up a whole different, can of worms i guess you know just you got to be around a, a whole different group of people and you know you you pretty much broaden your whole horizon of people you got to be around and all your connections and stuff so i feel like trying to meet everybody and shake hands and get their phone number and just that way someday you might need something they might need something that way um you guys can connect and do whatever you, you need to do. So I always was trying to connect and I feel like that's kind of led me to where I can connect with, you know, some sponsors and stuff like that because, I mean, it's not easy to get sponsors or do any of that stuff or do all your social media or whatever you got to do to please everybody. Um, and of all you said, you're from a small town. For people from out of state, there there might not be a more cowboy town I know in Montana than Miles City, Montana. Yeah, it's, there's a lot of good cowboys there. Yeah, and that's the name. It's the Cowboys, Custer Cowboy. County, Custer County High. Yes, sir. Um, remember when your dad was sitting in the lawn chair by our trailer and the barrel horse was sleeping and he moved, kicked him in the head. Yeah, <laughs> knocked him out. Oh, there's been lots of times where Glasgow High School rodeos running the post pounder and split his head open. <laughs> had to go, had to go to the ER. <laughs> well, it it served him right because we were at the junior high state finals, and they were having a safety meeting at the trailer out in the sun. If you yeah. know what I mean, yeah. And that horse kicked him right in the head, and they looked over. They said, "What happened to Bart?" And he was just laying there snoring. Horse knocked him out. It doesn't surprise me. <laughs> okay, hey, before I let you go, I do this thing. I post these things uh, about uh, buckles. 
me and Montana silversmiths because every buckle has a story. Yes, sir. Trevor Brazil's been on this podcast. I asked him the same thing. When you're having a just a regular day, you're practicing, you've come in the house, you're cooling down for the day. What buckle right now? What buckle are you wearing? I'm wearing my uh, Ram Circuit Finals buckle. Let me see. Can you hold? Can you sit up? Or, oh, there you go. Ram Circuit Finals. Wow, and yeah. it is that it's freaking worn. Oh yeah, so, I wear it. How, so why do you pick that buckle? Oh, it was my first PRCA buckle I ever got one, and it was something that really meant the world to me, and it it really was the first thing that uh, changed my career as far as getting a big step on one twenty five thousand there, and big step towards the national finals and towards the world title. I mean, it was just a huge stepping stone in my life. See, I, I've become enthralled. Every buckle has a story, Haven. I, yes. You know, I, I I display this, but this is, I hadn't even looked. Remember earlier, I was going to see 2004 Wrangler National Finals Rodeo Barrel Man. There you go. Right there. I have no idea why. The one I keep on my, I wear a Coors Man in the Can one and a PBR one, but that that one you have, you never even got your name put on it, did you? No, you just oh, back. I didn't want to send my gold buckle to get my name on it because I it's like here thirty seconds. Look at your gold buckle, then you're not gonna see it till February. <laughs> I was like, oh crap! I was like, I'll just do it myself or something, you know? Because it's something that you know when you get your first gold buckle, you know Trevor probably just hands them off. Oh wow, shoot! I got twenty four, twenty six, whatever. <laughs> yeah, they'll get it again, but. You know, it's just something really cool and special once you get your first gold buckle. And once they take it away from you, it's like, heck, I might want to wear it out to the MGM. You know, it's just something that it's really cool to have. And I, I don't wear mine much. I wear it at the rodeos and stuff, but I'm too scared to wear it outside working or something because I don't want to scratch it. Um, if you win two or three more, then you'll be a little more free to wear the gold buckle. Yeah, I'll, I'll probably wear it when I'm branding or doing something. <laughs> hey listen um mostly i wanted to have you on because we're just proud of you up here i know you're in texas but you're a montana guy promise you got to make me a promise what's that that i come back up there well no i don't care i don't care if you know <laughs> yeah if you're ever here call me promise me this that every year that you're at the nfr at the beginning when they run the flags and the states around that you always ride under the montana flag I'll never ride under the Texas flag. <laughs> <laughs> they, they announced my name at uh, the permit finals from Stephenville, Texas. And I was I went right up there and told them, I said, I'm not from Stephenville, Texas. I'm from Miles City, Montana. There you go. Oh, perfect. Hey, thanks for doing this, buddy. Appreciate you. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it.